From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn, the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm hosting live from New York City again this week. But my co-host, America's Freed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the Brand Identity Theorist, is in our Philadelphia studio. Hello, Americus. Hi, Barbara. So two quick things. So, of course... Um the kickoff of the NFL season was uh, happening this past weekend. And, of course, we got a very ugly uh, W, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. So that was one yeah. thing. It, see, <laughs> but was, a W is I, a W. I try, keep, I try to tell these people, a win is a win. There's no such thing as pretty wins, pretty losses. But, but it's just losses and wins, and that's it. So I was trying to, <laughs> trying to explain this. The other thing, which is really interesting, Barbara, I don't know if you saw this. But apparently the, there was this um, individual who they were on a manhunt. In Pennsylvania. Oh, for, yes. Okay. That was All a right. huge deal. So yeah. they finally caught this guy, I think, in the last several I hours. I think it's national news because I saw huge. it in People in New York yeah. Times. Yeah, H- Huge news. So get this. They catch him and he's wearing a Philadelphia Eagles right, hoodie. Exactly. <laughs> and, and it's bloody. <laughs> so I, I got a, I got an email from a friend of mine. He's like, imagine you're the brand manager for the Eagles today and you woke <laughs> up. You know, How's your day going? <laughs> so I was like, unbelievable. So, so it, the, you know, the world. So all kinds of things are going on. Marketing, branding, all kinds of things. We are here on this show, Barbara, to talk about what's going on in the news, talk about everything cool with respect to branding and retailing. What do we have on tap for today? Oh, it's a great show today. We have Katie Dayton, who's a reporter for the Wall Street Journal, and she writes about customer experience at the Wall Street Journal. She's written some very interesting stories we can talk about. And in our spotlight segment, we have Natalie Justin, who's the president of Consumer Products Division for North America for L'Oreal. And that beauty business is a very interesting business. And you might know, America, that L'Oreal is a mass brand. Mm. brand. So Mm -hmm. that means it, I don't know if you know this or not, but that means... (laughs) um, Why are you assuming I'm a guru of beauty products? Is it because of my my glowing skin? Is it? I mean, I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But it's an interesting world because for years and years and years, there's been the drugstore brands and the department store brands, and in the modern beauty space, that's kind of gotten a little bit blurred. And L'Oreal was always class of the mass, like the best of the mass. Gotcha. And so that was their that was their positioning. So I'm really interested to talk to Natalie yeah, later on yeah. to find out um, what she thinks about the new world of beauty, how gotcha. she's doing with AR and VR and beauty. Oh. All of that is super important to think about also. Very, very cool. And by the way, isn't, it, it, by, we... isn't it pronounced L'Oreal, Barbara? Yeah, that... No, maybe not. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I just went, I don't know. It just sounds so much better when you try to put like a faux, you know, French accent to it. I don't know. But yeah, we'll yeah, see. That... We'll talk. Maybe to it sounds Maybe. so much better. We may <laughs> be not, in disagreement. Not on when that. I do it. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like an eagle sweatshirt on a runaway convoy. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Yeah. I got you. I got you. Well played. Well played. Okay, but let's so. start, Americus, with yep. a nice part of our the beginning part of our show, which, as you know, is called 
hit and miss. Yeah, and we love this part of it. this up? Absolutely. We love this segment, Barbara, because this is the part of the show where we get to talk about things that are going on in the news. And you and myself and our guests, we discuss whether or not these are good things that are happening, which we call a hit, or whether or not they are bad things, uh, which are happening that we refer to as a miss. Hit. Bullseye. Or miss. Just a bit outside. So we can talk about Katie's stories with regard to hit and miss. But before we do, let me talk about one that she didn't write that was just published yesterday, Mm. which is that TikTok shop is launching in the U.S. And what that means is that TikTok shop went live Mm. in the U.S. on Tuesday. Mm. um, And the move adds an e-commerce element to the popular app and will enable its 150 million U.S.-based users to find and shop for products within the app. Okay. So this is what people have been predicting was going to happen. It Mm. definitely is true in China. Gotcha. What do you think, America? Is this a hit or a miss? See, Barbara, I I am... I am struggling with this because I'm, I'm kind of new to TikTok and like the short videos, I'm wondering if that's enough. Do you get enough information to pull the trigger on, on a buying situation? That's point number one. Point number two, I was thinking about this, Barbara, with respect to threads and when threads sort of showed up and instantly had a marketplace and then it went away <laughs> sort of like a couple of weeks later. So <laughs> I just, I mean, I do buy stuff, Barbara, but I have yet to purchase something directly through a social media platform. Is this something that you do a lot? I don't know if it's a hit or miss. Maybe that's what I'm saying. But is this something that you do a lot? Are you more well, optimistic than I am? Uh, you know, I like to shop in stores, so let's just start <laughs> there. But it is true that with live streaming and all of this other, and e-commerce in China and the way Instagram is, a lot of people who spend a lot of time on social media, they see some of these short videos which are advertising products that they want to buy and they want to buy them right away. And having access to a shoppable platform makes all of that one-click shopping mm. really, really easy. TikTok, of course, is a little bit controversial because it's a Chinese-based company. And even though this is supposed to be separate in the U.S., there's still some worried about that. You know, TikTok says all its U.S. user data and payment information is stored and managed in accordance with American laws and policies, but who knows? Interesting. But I think what you're you're saying is you believe it's a hit, Barbara. Is that what you're saying? I think it's the wave of the future Mm. that there's a lot of this uh, live entertainment shop, you know, live live streaming, people Mm. talking about products and making it super easy to buy on a platform, I think will eventually really be a hit. Katie, do we have you on the line? Katie Dayton from the Wall Street Journal. Do you want to weigh in on the TikTok experience? Can you hear me on the phone? Yes, we can. Oh, we can. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Yes, the TikTok experience. Um, With regards to its advertising right now or uh, the the, the shopping, the shopping part of it. Yeah, the shopping, because that's the the news item. It just just opened the opportunity to shop, and America is expressing some hesitation. I'm thinking it is the wave of the future, even though I personally like to shop in stores. Um, But you're our customer experience expert. You write about this all the time, so you've probably given this some thought. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one because I think in theory it, it does sound like um, something everyone wants. Um, I mean, I think the the user experience has been in the past. 
of um, you know sort of like lots of links and things can be pretty pretty uh, frustrating for consumers. Uh, I think it yeah, makes total true. sense, and it will be really interesting mm. to see if this sort of capitalizes on on Instagram position as mm. um, as a power player in the shopping market. Let, um, let me let me ask both of you this: what, what do you think is the the appetite for uh, being on multiple platforms uh, and having this sort of a buying? But would you, Barbara and Katie, would you would you have would you have seven different access? platforms that you would be willing to buy from or would it be one of these things that the first one that captures your attention is going to be where you primarily yeah what what are your thoughts on that that's an interesting question Katie you probably have some experience with that because you've been looking at this customer experience well do you mean if I'm on if I'm already on these social platforms if I'm already spreading my time and my attention around the social platforms I guess it doesn't really matter where I end up at the end of the day I think it's where you begin um, so if, if, you know, you're, if people are spreading their time between Instagram and TikTok, for instance, mm-hmm. um, which I, 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 they're doing anyway, mm. I think it. I think as long, I think that what these companies want to ultimately create for people is a one-click experience. Now, right. obviously, that's very fraught. That's very difficult to do right. um, in terms of an infrastructure point of view and also security, right? You don't want to just be able to let your kid pick up your phone and then accidentally yeah. buy it. Yeah, well, there's those, there's those things as well. But, you know, it's interesting, this question, because it depends whether you think, in my mind, of Instagram and TikTok as like media, exactly. like a magazine, exactly. or if you think of it as retail. Because mm-hmm. if you think of it as retail, like I do think people are very loyal, say, to Amazon. Absolutely. And when they're going to go Absolutely. shopping, yep. Amazon, Amazon, Amazon. Yes, yes. But when you're looking at media, oh, I'll look at this source, I'll mm-hmm. look at that source, and then I'll divide my loyalty the way you're describing, Katie, mm. sounds more like a media model than a retail model. That's because I think people are very loyal to some of their platforms, whether they're Amazon or that's, Walmart that's or whatever. Point. And I was thinking about that, Barbara, because when you, you that, that's the perfect example, the idea that as soon as I sort of went down the the rabbit hole ecosystem of Amazon it made me incredibly averse to other s- sites where I would do that kind of thing. It's like I just want to be in this one place. I mean, does this disrupt the logic of like a a, a WeChat sort of what's this thing in China where it's all in one place? Uh, mm-hmm. Barbara, you yeah, were the telling Uber apps. Yeah, the, the Uber, Uber apps. Is this is this the Alibaba's begin- world and Tencent's world? Is, does, does this disrupt that? Does this help facilitate that? What's the what's the relationship between this kind of thing well, taking in, off? I mean, it's very different than here because we don't have these Uber apps, regardless of what Elon Musk thinks. Um, we don't actually have them yet. But um, in in China, they really are completely one hundred percent discrete. You're on one or the other. Um, and so I think you do get locked into that universe here. I don't think we have that yet. Interesting. So I don't think. So Spotify but you do see people. Yeah. You do see people like you were describing extremely loyal to Amazon. You know, yeah. when I'm going to go shop, I'm just going to go one click shop in Amazon. I know I'll get it. I'll get I may get a counterfeit, but hopefully I'll get what I really want <laughs> right, um, right, at right. a good price. And right. they're very loyal. Let's move on a little bit to some of Katie's stories. Yes. You're, you're going to love these stories because one of them, I think, is super cool. Yeah. She wrote this story a couple of weeks ago. I guess it's now um, on Ikea. 
And Ikea has been opening up these smaller stores. And you know the famous Ikea maze. You get into these big (laughs) Ikea stores and you start, and you can't get out until you're at the exit. And you could be there for hours. Yes. Well, Ikea, according to Katie, she wrote a story that Ikea tried getting rid of the maze. And her headline says the shoppers wanted it back. Katie, can you give us more color on that story? (laughs) Yes, of course. Um, So Ikea, you know, for some time has been trying these smaller stores and these are normally in city centers where they can't physically put in a large Ikea as we know it. Um, They originally thought because the stores were so much smaller than we're used to, um, shoppers didn't need that lane that took them around every single uh, room of the house. They didn't think they needed that guidance. Um, And they found after doing some, you know, consumer research um, and speaking to customers at the till, you know, that the people actually did want from IKEA that guidance, that kind of one lane traffic style of shopping um, to make sure they, they felt like they'd seen everything. Oh. Um, it, it's very interesting in that I don't know of any other store or any other type of store that, that customers would want that, right? You want to go in, look for your whatever you're looking for pay and get out as quickly as possible. It seems like with IKEA from you know their own internal research that mm. um, customers want um, they just they just they just need to know that they've seen everything before they get to the till. Mm. That is super interesting to me. I mean, it's kind of a little bit like, you know, this idea of a treasure hunt or, you know, customer experience where the fun is seeing what you didn't anticipate buying. Uh, But but the thing to me that that was very surprising, that's why I wanted you to talk about it, is I would like it to be up to me whether I want to be in this maze or not. What I hated about Ikea is it was kind of hard to get out of it. And you were stuck in the store until you kind of figured out the way out. Uh, and that's the part of the maze I was ne- it was never that attractive. Now, they're, you're talking about these stores that they're opening are smaller stores, which is the general trend in general hmm. for retail is that the store space, the floor space is getting smaller and smaller in lots of different retailers. Um, so maybe that's part of it, that it's so small now you don't mind being locked in a maze. I don't hmm. know. Absolutely. I don't think it would feel like it does in the large stores, which can feel like, oh, my God, like, when am I going to get when am I going to get through here? Where's the end? You know, you're surrounded probably by four walls that you can see. You can see the entrance. You can see the exit at all times. Um, and, and with the large stores, of course, they, they have for a while introduced those cut throughs. So if you absolutely cannot stand that way of thing, it does leave you. <laughs> it does you're, you're not going to be a prisoner. Yeah, that's interesting. No, some, some people say they don't make those cut-throughs clear enough, and they do that oh. deliberately. Uh, IKEA says that they do. So, you know, it's. I think it wouldn't be as painful as it, as it is the IKEA experience that you know of, but it's certainly a, an interesting story about um, what consumers expect from different brands and, and, you know, what they expect from Ikea, even though Ikea are trying to do something really cool and different with these smaller formats, um, people still expect one thing from this particular brand. Yeah, that, it's a funny story because Ikea is one of these brand loves 
brands. You know, people just love yeah. Ikea. People get married um, in a, like, Ikeas, apparently. This yeah, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, it's like one of those <laughs> things, yeah. So I guess they just love everything about it, and yeah. they like the serendipity. You know, you never know where you're going to find, and it's always going to be cheap price, and maybe mm. that's part of the experience. I mean, it definitely is the way I think retail's going, that if you can create more of a customer experience, which, Katie, is what you write about in general, then you've got a better you know, it's better for brand loyalty, customer lifetime value, et cetera. I saw that you also, this is still a couple of weeks ago, but a very interesting story, wrote another story about Bud Light after the <laughs> oh. Mulvaney uh, Is there something going problem. on with Bud Light? I, I might have, yeah. must have missed this. I don't know. So they're trying to get their their drinkers back, yep. their uh, their customers back. Um, and you wrote about their latest attempt. What, what, can you tell us more about that one? Yeah, well, I don't know if you haven't heard about, you know, Bud Light doing something. I don't know if you've heard this thing called the NFL's back on at the moment as well. Um, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. I'm aware of that brand. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> so Bud obviously uh, very has a very historic long relationship with football. Um, they have tied their advertising budget to the NFL for, for many years now. Um, and this year is no different. And if you were to look at this ad, you would not know that anything had gone wrong mm. at all this year with them. Mm. Um, they are they are pushing for a very, very all-American, um, down-the-middle, totally non-partisan ad that celebrates the, you know, that everyday kind of Sunday ritual sure. yeah. that goes into watching football wherever you are around the country. Interesting. Um, yeah, and um, you know they things look to be stabilizing with Bud Light at this point. So, I, I don't think they've recouped customers necessarily, but the the drop in sales has definitely um, flattened out. Interesting. And um, it will be interesting to see at the end of the football season where that brand is. So, so word on the street. What is the word on the street, Katie, from the LGBTQ plus community in in response to this down the middle uh, approach? Well, I think that community has altogether stopped thinking about Bud Light at this point. Um, I haven't... Altogether stopped thinking about. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. If they were thinking about it before, I mean, I only ever hear from the other side when I write about this, Mm. um, which is... And and I hear that people are still angry. Interesting. um, As people are still very angry about the fact that, you know, they, they... um, did a partnership with Dylan Mulvaney, but a lot of yeah. the time they're more angry at everything that happens afterwards, mm. and they mm-hmm. think that the company handled the situation very badly. Yep. Um, Bud Light, they just seem to be pushing full steam ahead, trying to ignore all the noise, mm. advertising as they have done for years, and um, really, you know, that apology that everyone still seems to be waiting for doesn't look like it's coming mm. anytime soon. So I think they're, they're employing a strategy of, of um, wait it out and um, hope that the sales come back in as, as maybe people start to forget. So, Americas, you got to tell us, what do you think about this approach? Is this a hit or a miss? Uh, I, it's a big miss in my view because I feel like you stepped in the can of worms and I think you have to be more explicit on taking a side or not. Uh, one, one of the sides, I think, you know, kind of like, let's pretend nothing, ha- nothing to see here. I mean, I'm not sure I like, <laughs> I'm not sure I like that, that approach. And I think that, you know, you sort of reveal, it's in these crises that, that you reveal what you're really about. And so, you know, I think that, just sort of hoping that consumer memory fades 
and people start worrying about whatever's next on the next 24-hour news cycle is, is sort of a, a courageous list approach, if you will. So that's just my view. But I mean, I feel like Bud Light also probably feels like it has to protect its brand and maybe revamp. But, you know, I think you either you support those values or you don't. And I think coming out and articulating them is, is not a bad thing. Kate, did you agree with that? Or maybe you're supposed to be an unbiased reporter. Also, I'm not a marketer, right? So I never like <laughs> to take too much of an opinion on these things because I don't know yeah. exactly what would work. Um, I think this is altogether expected from a large corporate company. Um, they have experienced sales decline, but they are very um, they are very bullish in the power of marketing and the power of advertising. You know, I think maybe some other brands would have said, you know what, let's let's stop putting ourselves out there, let's stop putting our brand out there for a little bit, mm. and let's wait for that to blow over. They're doing the absolute opposite. They are tripling their marketing spend. Mm. Um, wow. And it's an interesting case study in um, that commitment to, to what marketing can do for a brand, even at, uh, you know, absolutely unprecedented times. I've never in my career known um, a brand to get pushed off the rails so quickly like this. Right, right. Yeah, I, don't, I, yes. I, just, I just feel, Barbara, that it's sort of like, you know that old cliche of rearranging the deck chairs on the ti- on the Titanic. Uh, yeah, I mean, or whistling through the graveyard, as they say. I mean, I just I feel like you got to address it. I mean, why why pretend it didn't happen? And clearly, you know, you had a viewpoint at a particular time that you know you know I'm not sure you want to step away from it per se, but you know, just just sort of going back to business as usual. Maybe that's an approach. Maybe that's an approach to sort of stick your yeah, head in the sand. Yeah, people do sometimes. You know, yeah. they say people have short memories. So they do. That. As a matter of fact, listeners, Google TMZ and Kid Rock drinking a Bud Light, and you'll see that maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe these things are, are a little more flash in the pan, the emotionality, that the, the knee-jerk reactions, Barbara, that sort of happen because of social media. Maybe these things do fade over time. Yeah. I will also so that'd be say interesting I, I to watch. I sorry, I, I I got some data through this morning from YouGov, um, and they're looking at the beer brands, you know, and, uh, amongst um, NFL fans. And um, Bud Light has the highest ad recall over Budweiser, over Corona, over Modelo at the moment, and um, and they also have a higher share of of drinkers at this point. Um, of NFL drinkers, so I, you know, it's very NFL difficult drinkers, to attribute huh? that mm. to what they've done with this ad campaign. Mm-hmm. But people are certainly seeing that ad, and uh, people are still drinking it. So Interesting. Yeah. I think we're going to have to wait for the season to be over yeah. to yeah. see if we can call it's, it a success. It's something to watch. It's really interesting. You know, in the end, you know, what the right theory is yeah. is kind of to see what happens. You know? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, in some senses, Barbara, you know, the drinkage data, Katie, is, is impressive. The recall data isn't because you can recall things you hate. <laughs> so, <laughs> But but if, if they are indeed coming back in terms of drinking the beer and, you know, sort of that thing, that's that's very impressive. So Yeah. Interesting. So let's talk a little bit about uh, NFL. It's, I'm so confused about all of this stuff. It's like, who can watch what where? Uh-huh. So your most recent article <laughs> right. was right. about this argument between DirecTV saying that you can watch NFL there and NFL saying, uh, can you, ex- I, I really am very confused on this story. <laughs> can you make this clear? Yes, Barbara, yeah. I took me a good long time to understand what was happening <laughs> before I wrote this. 
Basically, DirecTV, once upon a time, for many years, had the rights to NFL Sunday tickets. That was the place where you could go watch your out-of-market games. You needed this DirecTV subscription. That changed this season when they gave those rights, the NFL gave those rights to YouTube TV. So now you need to subscribe to YouTube TV, which is not not inexpensive Mm. um, as a package to be able to watch your out-of-market games on Sunday. However, DirecTV came out with an advertising campaign this summer saying DirecTV Sports Hub is the best place for you to watch every game. Um, the NFL, and, and in a move that I haven't really heard from them before, publicly came out uh, and said, we think this advertising is misleading um, because really the only place you can watch Sunday Ticket is on YouTube TV. Obviously, it's in their interest to keep YouTube sweet in this situation and protect them from any confusion there. Um, DirecTV have said, no, 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 our ad is fine because what we're really saying is that you can link your YouTube TV account to your DirecTV <laughs> subscription and therefore oh, watch the football um, yeah. on, on the DirecTV hub, which is, for all intents and purposes, like a website that you can go to on your TV and, and, you know, you can link your Amazon prime account there. If you want to watch Monday night football, you know, you can, you can, you can link all these other apps to it. Um, so, and direct TV also came out with like a fairly, they kind of, you know, came back with a little bit of heat to this NFL statement and said, um, you know, all this is, if customers are confused, is because where to watch football games is more fragmented than ever, which is referring to the NFL breaking up um, rights across the week amongst different um, media companies. So I think that is uh, confusing for some consumers. Um, What I've also heard from some consumers is giving it to these streaming companies is uh, kind of unfair for people with bad internet connection because they live in, in rural areas, for instance. You know, they can't just stream a game. That That's pretty impossible for them. So, um, yeah, it's going to be something this year, I think, that a lot of people are watching, you know, that, that experience of how easy it is to watch the game and how straightforward it is to even figure out where wow. the game is showing. Yeah. And that ha- must have big implications for um, advertising dollars hmm. and uh, and all right. sorts of things. Right. Because the, the NFL football still gets a lot of eyeballs. I know my son has four different games going on at once every <laughs> Sunday from the beginning to the end, last game. So yep. he's watching everything. And he was actually commenting, now that you mention it, on how fast things were going up. He put it on two different sh- uh, stations to see if the game streamed faster or you could watch it faster on broadcast. Like he was kind of curious. <laughs> oh wow! To see how he's running all the experiment. Wow! But he lives in New York, so he's got pretty good internet. Um, but I can mm. see that being a huge issue yeah. um, in watching live football, which is still like very, very important in the in media dollars and building it, brands and yeah, and the Super Bowl still the you know that is still the absolute. Christmas of advertising that yeah. you know that day that day if right. you look at anyone any company any brand marketing spend you still see this huge spike up in February so um yeah it's it's it's, it's big dollars to play for in this 
in this world. And um, yeah, they're just going to, advertisers are just going to want to know that um, people are able to watch, I think. And um, But you know what? It's, you know, if, if it is so fragmented, DirecTV, I guess, like gave it a go and said, you know what, we'll put this ad out and uh, we'll see if that, you know, that we can still be accruing customers for even offering, even though we don't offer um, this particular package on the Very interesting marketing strategy. Interesting. <laughs> well, Katie, that thank you very much for coming to our show. Um, and can you tell us um, where people can go to find uh, keep up with your stories? Yeah, of course. I am still mostly uh, active on Twitter or X, if you want to call it that, and I'm under at Dolly Dayton. Okay. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, and Thanks Katie. for joining us today. We're here every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. We replay our show several times throughout the week. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter at S or X at SXM Marketing. And you can follow Business Radio at SXM Business for information about our programming. And be sure to check out our website at SXMMarketing.com. And you can also look for podcasts that we're doing. Uh, if you go to Knowledge at Wharton, you can see the Marketing Matters podcast. So we have lots of different ways for you to come and listen to us and hear our discussions with some of the leading marketers in the world. Thank you all for listening today. We'll be back next week. Till then, this has been Marketing Matters. I'm Barbara Kahn, here with America's Read, Business Radio, Sirius XM 132.